So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Easy Conversations. I just want to start by saying thanks to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Justin Mocktinger. Thanks a lot for joining us. You killed it once more, and we look forward to having you on again down the road. It's now for episode 38 of Easy Conversations. Extremely excited, of course, to have the homie Matt in studio again. See what's up to the people. What's going on, everybody? Hope everyone's having a good time and is staying safe out there. And for this episode, we have a very special guest, one a good friend of mine and a faithful listener of the show, the homie Kristin Ud. Say what's up to the people. Hey guys, what's up? Hope everyone's enjoying the sun and the warm weather and that ready for an awesome summer. Yes, good well wishes to the listeners. So now for this episode, we're, we'll be discussing another one of our favorite film series following Lord of the Rings, one that... Kelsen, Matt, and I all grew up with earlier than Lord of the Rings, I want to say, which is the Harry Potter franchise. So we all grew up, we all read the books, all watched the movies multiple times, and um, it's a franchise that we all hold dearly. So we're going to dive in. We got three experts, dare I say, on today so we can get a good (laughs) deep dive at this franchise. So just to kick off the conversation there, I'll throw it out to you, Chris. Um, what is your favorite Harry Potter movie? Oof, okay. Favorite movie right off the bat? Mm, I would have to say it's Philosopher's Stone, just because it's the one that stayed true to the books the most. But I also really enjoyed Goblet of Fire. Yeah. Yep, two big ones. Matt, how about you? Okay, well, I'll, I'll name two as well. Um, my, my favorite ones are Prisoner of Azkaban and Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. Okay. So I'm glad you both had two as well because I was struggling between <laughs> these two. I definitely have, I'll give the slight edge to Chamber of Secrets as my favorite and Goblet of Fire as a close second. I love both those movies, especially Chamber of Secrets. I remember I wasn't as scared of Philosopher's Stone when I saw it there. So that was a, a dub right in itself. I was a big Dobby guy from day one. Oh, yes. And it's the movie that I'm not even kidding. I can recite from start to around at least Diagon Alley, if not a little further than that. So I know I know the movie pretty well. And Goblet of Fire, well, it's just um, I love the concept of it. The story is awesome. Oh, for sure. Wizard Tournament. Um, you get my boy Voldemort in the cut, comes back from the dead. <laughs> officially and it, that movie like we've already discussed completely changes the the dynamic of or changes the narrative really and makes everything a lot more pressing now that Voldemort is in fact back rather than just an, an ominous presence or a threat looming over them kind of thing it definitely a, a, becomes a real threat I agree yeah guy rolls up in uh Platform nine and three cores, just a mess with Harry. It's showing his power there, right there. So goblets. I mean, I actually put up a poll on Instagram just to get a feeler of what other people's favorites were, and it was pretty much split between Philosopher's Stone, Chamber of Secrets, Azkaban, and Goblet of Fire. Not a single person answered a movie past Goblet of Fire. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I know for a fact that this is might come off as harsh, but Daniel Radcliffe was drunk most of the time for the movies five, six, and seven, <laughs> so that might not come off too well. But uh, I find like you can tell a difference in the acting. There's a different kind of 
atmosphere to the acting I found after the, the fourth one. And that's why, despite loving the books, the movies fell a little short for me afterwards, after the fourth. So I'm not surprised. So Matt, um, what are your thoughts on that? No one submitted anything past the fourth movie. I'm surprised. Like, I, I really like Half-Blood Prince, the movie, so... I th- maybe because part seven is like the book seven is two parts, so no one wanted to pick like the one of the two parters, and f- no one. I think part five, like Order of the Phoenix, it's not universally, it's no one's favorite movie. I think like that's pretty. It's safe, heavy. So it's heavy. Yeah, the book is so much better for that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I'm not surprised. Yeah. My uh, justification for it would be that I think people just like, well, I'm speaking personally here. I prefer seeing younger kids go about doing these fantastic story on going on these adventures and doing stuff that would not be expected of them. As in like in the first movie, for example, taking down a troll when they're merely novice magic users, right? Like that's not something that would be expected of any kid at first year at Hogwarts. I was going to say, as we go, I'm gonna put it, sheer dumb luck. Yeah. Well, after watching all the movies, we know that it's more than just luck, really, and there's actual talent there. But, um, yeah, I prefer it when they're younger, and that's why two and four are my favorites. I think that's the cutoff, like, especially if um, he was drunk <laughs> while filming five, six, and seven. That definitely explains it. But, yeah, Look I think the dip, in, mm. the dip in acting is really... Um, noticeable I think other than Emma Watson I think she just stays steady across the board kills it from day one that's Hermione obviously there but um, yeah absolutely oh is that like official like Daniel Radcliffe was having issues just yeah, he, he, propaganda yeah, he, here he, he's battled uh, addiction and alcohol and stuff for sure oh so um, for um, Order of the Phoenix I think it's true. It's definitely a movie that you don't really think about as being one of the best movies, but it's still pretty solid. I mean, I watched them all the other day, like a few months ago, but um, it's a solid movie. Other than the cringe Cho Chang Harry Potter dynamic <laughs> there, but that was intended as in the books as well. It was pretty aw- an awkward uh, relationship there, and I'm ah. glad they cut out. Anyways, what, what's up, Chris? I was just going to say, I think that's what Rowling was trying to show was the awkward first teenage relationship and how it doesn't necessarily go as planned or intended. And it was more of a crush than, than actual deep feelings, you know, so. But yeah, so the polls basically pointed towards Goblet of Fire being the resounding favorite out of the most out of the people who answered. So thanks a lot to everybody who participated in the poll. Appreciate it. And yeah, Goblet, I mean, I said it's a close second to my uh, Chamber of Secrets, which is actually not a universally loved movie as well. I think I saw you scoff, Matt, when I said <laughs> the Chamber, just to put you on the spot here, but uh, when I love Chamber. Chamber. Yeah. Uh, chamber is the longest, I think, like running time for a Harry Potter movie, I believe. Like, I just, I liked it as a kid, but I think it's it's a little slower but it, it adapts the book perfectly. Like the mm-hmm. Chamber movie, it mirrors the book to me perfectly. So maybe that's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it did scare me as a kid. Maybe I have bad memories about it. Like when he hears the, the basilisk, like through, oh, so scary. That was scary, true. Yeah. I forgot about that. And it's my favorite movie. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. Of course, you have to love Gilderoy. He just 
Just a just quite the character. Absolute clown, but you love him. He's great. <laughs> yeah, and One... I was gonna bring this up later, but all the they they literally got Britain's best actors to play like all the oh, teachers yeah. and all the characters. It's 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 wonderful and you get acting clinics from like each teacher because like they're all they're all award-winning actors yeah. for sure yeah yeah gilderoy was the man for sure yeah. another thing i like a lot about the earlier movies and it's something we can get into i guess right now is draco's more prominent role in the first movies and I, i've always loved him as a character and i think he was kind of underused later in the series where he really, really became only a, a minor pain in Harry's side there just and kind of becoming a comic relief with Crab and Goyle and later on Blaze being just clowned by our uh, group of heroes. So I, I like Draco's usage in those movies, especially in Chamber. Like one of my favorite scenes is when Harry and Ron use the Polyjuice Potion to impersonate Crab and Goyle. And you get some classic lines like, Why, do you, why are you wearing glasses? <laughs> reading. Reading. I didn't know you could read. That's just like a <laughs> low-key classic line. Absolutely. Apparently and... it's an improvised line, actually. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Fun fact. Yeah. Coming through with the, the drunken fun facts. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I, I love that scene for sure. And just emasculates Percy and his attempt at authority too when he tries to tell him not to be in the corridors. But anyways, mm -hmm. yeah, I, just, I love that scene. And Draco, what are your thoughts on Draco as a character in him, in itself? Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed him in the first few movies. And like you said, he, he really took on a, a backstage role in the later movies and it was less in terms of actually Draco from the books and more, like you said, of a comic relief and just, you know, representing who Draco is, is supposed to be, but not really staying true to the books. And Draco is definitely an interesting character because he's, he's you know, he's negative and he's a villain, but at the same time, is he really all that bad or is he just you know, insecure and jealous and, and afraid and stuff. So he was definitely, there was more potential for his character in the later movies, which they kind of skimmed off of. So. No, I love Draco's character because he's, he's like a product of his upbringing. And I, I feel really bad for Draco throughout the series. And he's kind of like, and especially in part six. And I think I like part six, that whole angle of what he's trying to accomplish so yeah, no, I'm a big fan of his character, and he's great in the first movie, like the when they're learning to fly, like, the Neville interaction. Yeah. Oh Where yes, with the it. remember all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that arc as well. That they actually gave him a prominent storyline in the sixth one. That's one of my favorite parts of that movie. Really, is the tortured individual not really fully committing to the death eater path that's been laid out in front of him for his entire life like you said his upbringing he's a product of his environment and i think you are supposed to feel bad for him especially more in the movies than in the books in the books he's more really just evil and you, you just don't really sympathize for him, maybe until the sixth one but I think J.K. Rowling even said you're not. People weren't supposed to actually care about or even like Draco, mm -hmm, which definitely. I think that's a result of the portrayal, the actor, right? Yeah, I actually feel like they fell short in the sixth movie of of 
really selling us on what Draco's going through in his sixth year. And unless you had read the book, you don't really understand, you know, what all the tension is because they just show us little snippets here and there of Draco seemingly crying in the bathroom or being, uh, you know, interrogated by Snape and stuff. So that was one thing that was disappointing, I found, in the sixth movie was how they, they really skimmed off with the Draco story, which is pretty prominent in the book. I mean, I remember there was a lot more in the books, but I think, in my opinion, anyways, that they kept the essentials. Um, you're still able to feel bad for him, in my opinion, but I don't know. The the books, obviously, you can't have as much in the movies as you do in the books, but we'll get into that uh, a little later now. So now I guess we're kind of touching on characters as well. Draco is a character that I actually like a lot more than... Harry, for example, not not a huge Harry guy. No, I mean, me if you're looking at your top three out of Ron, Hermione, and Harry, Harry's for sure number three in my opinion. But I'll throw it out to you, to Chris. We can start with you as the guest of honor. <laughs> you can just talk about any character you want. Who is, if you have a favorite character, who is it, or who are some other characters that you think are maybe underrated, underused, blah blah, blah that you like a lot. Just... Okay. Uh, my favorite would have to be probably Hermione, just because she's such a strong feminine character. She, she's very smart, she's resourceful, extremely independent, and she does go through character growth if you compare Hermione from the first book, who's extremely stuffy about rules and stuff, and then eventually chooses not to even complete her education or, or you know, skip her last year in order to help her friends. That's something that book one Hermione would never even consider. And I would have to say another character for me is is Snape. Just one of my all-time favorite characters for any kind of fantasy or series because he was so complex and yet you, you find yourself rooting for him and at the same time he's just constantly a negative presence just getting in the way of your heroes and stuff. So she did so well with Snape, I found. I mean, Hermione would be my favorite out of the three main characters as well, 100%. I think, like I've already said, since her first scene in Philosopher's Stone on the Hogwarts Express, you know what you're getting in Hermione, and she stayed consistent as a great actress throughout the whole series. And that's a great point about her in the first movie would never consider to not complete her education, but she's been committed to the cause since day one, been a great friend to both Harry and Ron. And I love that she ended up being more than just a friend to Ron later on. <laughs> that is a solid relationship there. And I like the relationship she has with Harry as well. And just how much of a good person she is. Definitely one of my favorite characters as well. Snape, of course, absolute legend. Um, tragic hero at its finest, right? It's not until one of the last moments in the last movie that you find out that he has been on the right side exactly. of history the entire time, right? And has just been a tortured soul in love with Harry's mom. Yeah, you can't help... you. Everyone felt bad and maybe even shed a tear in his final moment. Even Harry did because up until that point, when Harry finds Snape about to be killed by Voldemort in the Shrieking Shack in the book, I forget where it actually is in the movie there, by some sort of lakeside cabin yeah that was weird that was weird good, good uh, principal photography though anyways and um you definitely feel bad for him and even harry knew in his heart that snape did not deserve to go out like that 
And yeah, then that fi- his final moment, the reveal in the pensive, um, is just, uh, just a sad moment. So no, Snape is definitely one of the best characters. Excellent. I'm glad you agree. And I mean, like Hermione said, book one Hermione, she said she'd rather die than be expelled. So that right there shows you her priorities. <laughs> one of the best lines ever. <laughs> so <Right>? good. <laughs> or worse, expelled. <laughs> Classic. So... My, well, we already obviously just talked about him, but my favorite character is Snape, without a doubt. And I'll just touch on Alan Rickman, who plays Snape, mm-hmm. like literally the best actor in any of the movies. He plays him perfectly, and like J.K. Rowling even told him, like dropped hints early on in the early movies, like this is where your character is heading. So like maybe you know specific acting directions, and I love watching Snape on the screen too. He's a great character in the books and in the movies. Mm-hmm. And I got to agree with Hermione being the strongest of the three. Uh, but I'm also a big Ron fan, actually, especially in the books, because you get more interactions in the books. But I love when Harry's just hanging out with Ron at Ron's place and all those interactions are great. Yeah, I agree. They they didn't do Ron justice, I found, in the movies. They kind of made him a little goofier and then they... They didn't show him as he's a very loyal person, very loyal friend, and they 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 were a little shy on that. I found in the movies, and plus, growing up in a in a family of full blooded wizards was a huge asset that they barely barely touched upon in the movies. So, yeah, just That's a true. big uh, book advocate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just the books, anyways. Um, but um, yeah, I agree. Ron is kind of a clown in the movies. I love Ron; great character. I think. Rupert Grint was great as Ron, in my opinion. He'd come in at number two out of the three homies. But, yeah, I guess they did do him dirty in that regard. But I do like, if you're alluding to him not being loyal in Goblet of Fire, the movie, I actually love that they made that rift in between Harry and Ron in that it would only be understandable that he'd be kind of resentful, jealous of his best friend, supposedly enlisting into the Goblet of Fire, or for the Triwizard Tournament, I should say, and not telling him about it. Um, I like that they had a little rift, and then the coming together at the, well, after the first event, there was a nice moment. And he did try to help him, right, by uh, getting a bunch of people to tell Harry <laughs> about the, the dragons, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there, there, there's a lot of, just quickly, there's a lot of other characters that in the books, they're amazing, but in the movie, we only get their their highlights like yeah. i love sirius in the books sirius black and all the other members of the order of the phoenix i was but gonna say lupin's sadly, pretty solid too yeah big tonks, tonks. <laughs> yeah tonks is awesome Tonk, yeah that's another thing and that's something again we could talk about more with the books versus movies differences there okay. but with the lack of a budget in a book you obviously can include as many characters in any scene as you want right because you don't have to pay for the actors to be there so that's where all the Order characters not having as much of a prominent role came into play. So, glad you touched on my boy, Sirius Black. Definitely one of my favorite characters. Devastating moment when he dies. Mm-hmm. That's up there with Dobby, to me anyways, because Sirius becomes like a father figure to Harry. Something he's lacked his entire life. So, to see him finally get a semblance of a father figure. And just the relationship that they had 
talking about just def- just in the movies there in the few scenes that they do have together you can tell they clicked Harry reminds him of James to Sirius that's the equivalent of him getting a brother back so I like that there's many layers to their relationship and uh, yeah Gary Oldman was fantastic as Sirius in the in the movies I know there's criticism that he maybe was a little too old to play him Chris maybe you can touch on this there but I love Sirius and I wish we had a lot more of him in the movies, which is what I loved a lot about rereading the books is that you get a lot more serious scenes. Like in um, Goblet of Fire, they reach out quite a few more times. He actually comes to a cave around Hogsmeade and Harry and Ron and Hermione go to meet up with him and Buckbeak is also there. So that would have been great to see the homie Buckbeak again. Of course, under the name of Weatherwings. Right. And uh, <laughs> wow, yeah. Snuffles, right, is the name they, the alias they use for yeah. Sirius. I don't know if they call him that in the movies or not. No, but um, big Sirius fan. I think they did him dirty with that death, to be honest. It was good for Harry's growth, I guess, to have him lose another father figure. But I would have loved to see Sirius be there in the, the later movies and actually helping to fight against Voldemort. Jay Carelling actually intended to kill um, Arthur Weasley instead and then chose to kill Sirius. So she wasn't planning to kill Sirius at first and then ended up uh, choosing that. But when you said earlier, uh, you were kind of throwing the ball to me t- about Sirius and, uh, and Gary Oldman and stuff. I thought his portrayal was very good. And I agree that they, they skimmed off of him. Third movie, they gave him you know the spotlight. And after that, he took a back seat. And what I really liked about Sirius and that Harry liked for sure was that for once here was an adult who wasn't trying to always protect him or tell him not to do something. You know, Sirius was there to almost like Hermione says, egg him on almost. And it just, it was good because for once he had someone backing him up and saying, it's okay to go after these people. It's okay to be daring, to break the rules a bit because, you know, there's stuff going on and... You know, Harry, exactly. Harry had someone who not only was a father figure, but actually believed in him and didn't try to just baby him the way he felt, I think, a little bit with Molly Weasley just being very maternal, obviously. So, mm-hmm. And that's something a lot that we see a lot in the books, like especially mm-hmm. Order of the Phoenix. There are a lot more scenes where we see the Order talking about stuff where we get very brief glimpses into what the Order actually talked about and such and strategize about in the movies. So there's, I want to say there's at least, at least one major argument between Sirius and Molly, if not two or three. So that, I feel like that could have been added into the cinematic cuts, but um, yeah. And like you said, Sirius in prisoner of Azkaban is fantastic. I love how they flipped our expectations of this whole movie. You're hearing that this guy is the absolute worst killed a bunch of muggles ma- brutally massacred wormtail when all along it was wormtail who ratted out no pun intended harry's parents <laughs> and actually just cut off his own finger and betrayed uh, that group of friends the the tw- the twist of ron's rat scabbers right <laughs> yep it, like it being wormtail is like mind blowing like that's genius uh that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you didn't see it coming. No. Well, who did, really? <laughs> I was a little kid reading that book, so no. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. Did you see it coming? 
Absolutely not. Yeah, I was going to say some that's some um, Trelawney clairvoyant <laughs> exactly. action right there. Not there Talk yet. Talk about in, one of the worst characters in there, but anyways. Um, no, I disagree. Oh, yeah? Oh, she's a hoot. She's baddie, but she's... She's very funny, especially when she's against Umbridge. You can't help but almost feel bad for you. You know, when she's against Umbridge, you all of a sudden you find yourself wanting her to stick around more than the Toad. Of course, I agree. The Toad, yeah. <laughs> what a what a cast casting on Dolores Umbridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She wasn't what I was picturing when I read the books, but she made it work in her own way. I found. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about like, obviously, I want to say. If you've listened to this pod and heard of the villain episode, Voldemort's one of my favorite characters also, but I don't need to touch on that right now. Um, <laughs> Voldemort's the man. But um, yeah, Dolores Umbridge is a, a fantastic villain in her own right where, like we talked about in that episode, she really makes you despise her. Oh, yeah. I dare you to find a Dolores Umbridge sympathizer. Maybe someone who absolutely loves cats. I don't know. And <laughs> and proper disciplining. But, oh. yeah, she's the worst. Definitely like, agree I'd, on I'd that. Put, I'd put a Lucius Malfoy ahead of Dolores Umbridge. Oh, yeah. Misunderstood. Yeah. Actually, another really, really interesting character who I think was even better in the movies was Bellatrix. I thought that uh, Helena mm. Bohm Carter was awesome as Bellatrix and gave her the unhinged, almost mad edge to it that uh, seems vital in the book, but that you somehow, okay, this is what she was really trying to picture, for Row- that Rowling was trying to picture. So Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like When I reread the books after watching the movies, you're seeing those actors reading yeah. the, like saying the lines and stuff and it's it's brilliant and like the let like the movies are really great but the books are honestly like each 10 times better than the movie and they're really phenomenal so now you can just put a face to every character because they did a great job of casting everyone so absolutely no if yeah. there's one character though that i i I have to say is, is uh, fell short for me was Ginny Weasley. I, I didn't really mm. buy into her movie uh, depiction, whereas in the books she was far more uh, athletic and laid back and, and popular and all that. In the movies, she kind of just stands there and she wasn't really what I was picturing. Okay, well now we're segueing into that differences between the movies and the books. Okay. So that's perfect. <laughs> just I'll just jump on that. Ginny action as well <laughs> that um she is very much a better character in the books 100 she's like you said way more defiant prominent mm-hmm. and her relationship with harry as well is isn't nearly touched on as well as much as it is in the books where in the the half-blood prince they're actually dating yeah publicly at school right and i want to say they have a pretty big public kiss that confirms that they do have feelings for each other. And that's what sparks their relationship up and begins it, I guess. And um, from that moment on, you really get a power couple in Ginny Weasley up and coming um, Quidditch star and the chosen one. But in the movies, <laughs> they kind of, they kind of started making Ginny look more like a badass in the sixth one. I want to say, but in the other books, she has a lot more, oomph to her and presence i don't know 
What else is there? To yeah, she's she, she's just stronger of character. She stands her ground with Harry. She's a little tougher. You get the sense that yeah, she really did grow up with six older brothers, and it, it and it like I said, toughened her a bit and stuff. And you really get that in the books and in the movie. Like I said, she just she's almost like a fly on the wall. It's sad to say, but she just fades in the back. <laughs> like an and, extra. Uh, she's like yeah, hey, and like hey, Eric don't said, don't knock extras. <laughs> <laughs> Like Eric said, you know, that, that famous kiss scene and, and she just goes in when his eyes are closed or something in the, in the room of requirement. I thought that was really yeah. weird. I was not feeling 100%. that. Chris, I'll throw it out to you first. What sure. is your favorite difference between the books and the movies? And what are list off as many as you want, really, and we can comment on all of them. Things that you wish, other than Ginny, we've already talked about, yeah. that they had stuck more true to the books than they did in the movies. Just rattle, rattle some off. Okay. I'll have to get back on the favorite difference. There is something that Damn. they... <laughs> there's something that I wish they had included that I couldn't believe they did. It was Ludo Bagman in Goblet of Fire. I thought, oh, oh my goodness, there was so much plot reconstruction by omitting him. And... Um, Can you give us some background for anyone who may have not read yeah. the books? Who is this character you've alluded so, to? So, an old... Uh, beater from the Wimburn Wasps, I want to say. And... Right. <laughs> a little too in-depth, but anyways. <laughs> anyways, and he works, he's the head of Magical Games Incorporation at the Ministry of Magic, and he is a horrible gambler. That's his downfall. And he ends up um, betting on things that get him into a lot of trouble, and then to get out of the trouble, he tries to bet a lot on Harry. And he's present as a judge throughout the Triwizard Tournament and tries to get to ensure that Harry wins so that he wins his money back. But they just completely scrapped him out of there and replaced him with uh, Bartimaeus Crouch as the judge. And that was it. And I don't know. I thought Ludo Backman with the Weasley twins and robbing them of money with... Um, the other characters that he was involved with, I just it was a gaping hole for me. But unless you had really read the book and followed it, you you might not notice it because Goblet of Fire was still a very solid movie. Uh, it's been like maybe five years since I reread all the books, so I, I kind of <laughs> forgot about his character. So I was getting uh, like I was learning too along the way. Mm-hmm. But honestly, Goblet of Fire was my more disappointing movie experience because I was a huge fan of the book, went into the movie and and said like, oh, they cut everything. But mm-hmm. then you realize the book is like a brick, so they had to cut a lot of stuff, like the Quidditch World Cup, like the whole setup to that. That was disappointing, um, for, sh- for yeah. sure. But now that I rewatch it, I understand, and I'm not mad about what they cut out. Um, what I what I would have wished they would have included more, it would have made the running times of all the movies longer, but all the little scenes in the classrooms, in the books oh, that yeah. we get, the not like the... Fl- uh, just the, the small interactions, yeah. Yeah, it's the magic so, of Hogwarts. They 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 yeah. did it well. I found for the first three movies, and then after that, it was less about Hogwarts and more about Harry. And I definitely agree that they cut back on the classroom and the, and all that. Except, of course, right. Mad Eye Moody and his classic scene of the unforgivable curses. Is great, oh, yeah. But <laughs> well, you're right. Stuff. The the first two movies have like a enchanting quality like Absolutely. come see all the whole world like christopher columbus did the first two movies and you can tell like his touch of like directing more towards children and stuff and then it got more serious in the later movies 
no uh no fun stuff so ludo bagman i want to just comment i think they did a good job at omitting him but it would have been nice like rereading the books i had completely forgotten about this character that he existed and played for the wimmington whimsies or whatever it's called <laughs> but, but i do think the plots in the books and the movie are completely different and altered the most that we've seen up until this point in that the barty crouch jr reveal as mad eye comes out of nowhere really in the mm-hmm. in the movies whereas in the books it's kind of hinted a little more wherein harry sees barty crouch jr on the marauders map in snape's um closet Private, where he keeps yeah. all of his ingredients right and that's when snape accuses harry of brewing polyjuice potion but harry i think in the movie in the book was checking it out to see what barty crouch jr was doing at hogwarts Right, so I think that plot was really modified, and the omission of the whole Dobby plotline, like Hermione's activism towards mm-hmm. house elf rights and Winky the house elf. I-, I loved rediscovering that by rereading the books recently, in that she was actually holding the spot for her master, who was Barty Crouch Jr. at the Quidditch World Cup. So definitely um, a-, a big omission. Yeah, the only hint really in the movie was was the flick of the tongue that he does that you recognize at one point. You're like, oh, okay, I've seen this. But uh, Eric, mm-hmm. to get back to your earlier state, I, I thought about what my favorite change is from book to movie. And something that I preferred in the movies was movie number two with the dueling club. I actually mm. thought that they made it more of an event. It was more exciting. It was more of a Harry versus Draco and Gilderoy versus Snape. Whereas in the book, it was kind of just pairings and all that. And then in the movie, it was actually quite funny and um, interesting. And then they, they fire a few spells at each other and you see them. And I thought, so that part, I was pleasantly surprised compared to the books. I would agree. Serpent Saltia! It's a classic. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Finch Filchy. Uh, no name drop in the movies, just there. But anyways, yeah. Yeah, no, that was a good uh, good change, I would agree with as well. Matt, did you prepare anything for stuff that maybe you also pre- preferred that they change in the movies or that you preferred in the books? Me, it, me, it's more stuff that, like, I didn't... I like more in the books that they kind of, like, omitted in the movies. And, like, just quickly, like, every time I went to see a new movie in the theater when it came out, I would always be come back negatively because I love the books so much. I would always harp on every little thing they omitted. But then over the years, I the movies actually aged really well and are really like, they're awesome now in my opinion. Um, so it's just like little things from each book. Like, it's hard to pick anything specific, but I lo- I love all those small interactions. Okay. Uh, like an example, like the when they do Dumbledore's army in Order of the Phoenix, like you get way more of that stuff in the book. Like just, just all these small interactions, and it's just fun. It's like their camaraderie and all that stuff. Yeah, Yeah, and like you said, Matt, with the little moments where they're having these banal conversations, which is probably why the scenes are cut, though, but you're Mm -hmm. constantly rediscovering magic, I find, because in those scenes when they're talking, there's always some kind of magic thing going on, and that is interesting to someone who just likes that type of fantasy world, but maybe that just wasn't exciting enough for the movie in terms of time-wise and crunching and stuff, and unfortunately that's why you lose a bit of the magic of Hogwarts after movie number two 
when the books start being longer, but the movies can't necessarily stretch on. So. Yeah, well, well, really well said, actually, because that's what I love the most about the books. I'm realizing is the little moments in between the giant action yeah. scenes or plot scenes. I love that stuff. And I remember as a kid, uh, like being really young and just like devouring all those books and loving just the little interactions and like the melodrama in between the classmates. And oh, it's it's really, really, yeah, very nostalgic for like reading those books as a kid and it's very dear to my heart and even as a young adult you can yeah. always just go back and constantly reread those books like i just <laughs> read them a few months exactly. ago right into quarantine so i definitely we all endorse rereading those books as many times as you want um, i'm an absolute spokesperson for rereading them as much as you want no shame <laughs> Um, you can even think of a thing you like more about the movies. So I think that tells you right there. <laughs> exactly. Um, one thing, I, I jotted down a few things that I noticed between the differences between the books and the movies. So one thing I'm very glad they did not include. You can tell me what you think about this. Chris, I already know what you think about this character's <laughs> omission. But me, it's the the character Peeves. Oh, I'm quite glad they did <laughs> not include this numbskull of a ghost in the movies and is a comedic device in my opinion for young kids but anyways what do you think i honestly i think it could have been okay but it would have had to be well casted that's the thing if they had you would have to nail it for peeves or else just scrap him and who knows, maybe they had someone lined up and then decided to scrap it cuz it wasn't working i don't think so but I think it's hit or miss. I enjoyed him in the books, but maybe like you said, in the movies, they would have kind of dumbed it down or made it a little, you know, sillier or whatnot. So I'm kind of impart, you know, I agree. I disagree. Either way, it's, he's part of the castle, not really part of the storyline. Exactly. So that's why I'm glad they did not include him. <laughs> Matt, what are your thoughts on Peeves? Yeah, I think, honestly, Eric, I agree with you. He could have just been in the background, but I think it would have been a mistake to, like, give him a, a, a his moment in the limelight. Mm -hmm. It would have been a mistake. 100%. So, on to my next point that I've written down. One thing that, like you both mentioned, that we like a lot is seeing all these interactions at Hogwarts, whereas later on it became more about Harry and mm -hmm. his story. What I like a lot about Hogwarts is something that we only have in the Harry Potter cinematic universe, which is Quidditch, the sport that you can now see on every university campus. <laughs> so I'm glad that, well, I'm not glad, actually, I'm disappointed that they did not include more of the Quidditch matches in the, in the movies, whereas in the books, you get a major match almost every book, except for the seventh one, obviously, there, because they're not at Hogwarts. But that's something that I wish they would have included more in the movies, I'm just going to throw the quaffle to you first, Chris. <laughs> Excellent. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. And uh, yeah, I agree. Quidditch was always the most exciting thing for me. I love sports. I would have killed to, to be able to play. <laughs> I can see Aaron just dying of laughter out there with his own puns. I, I, like I love it. joke a little more oh, than I yeah. should have. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I, I, I want to laugh at my own jokes as well, so don't worry. But, That's uh, true. Yeah, I definitely wish they had shown more Quidditch as well, and um, they had snippets here and there that were pretty interesting. They did it well with Malfoy and Harry in the second movie, but 
uh, you know, a little bit of Ron in the sixth one, if you will, where he somehow pulls it off and possibly, but, uh, yeah, I would have wanted them to do more Quidditch. I mean, who doesn't dream of flying on a broomstick, especially a, a sleek, cool sport model, so. Every night, Nimbus <laughs> 2001. Definitely the best broom. It's the classic. I agree with you guys. Father. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I agree with you guys. Um, I was sitting in the theater for Goblet of Fire, and I'm like ready to watch the World Cup. I'm like, okay, we're gonna watch yeah. the whole game here. Yep, I can't 100%, wait. 100%. <laughs> Just so come to the twins, dancing. Yeah, that's too bad they cut that. But the, as I get older, I realize like the producers weren't gonna let a three-hour movie in the theater. Like it's just no. not happening. So they had to cut out. I mean, something I loved in the books, like the them describing the games in the books, is like amazing, mm-hmm. and all the Ron stuff when he's the keeper. Oh, oh it's funny, but I think that's yeah. what it is: is that they figure the audience already knows what Quidditch is about. We'll move on to the bigger stuff, and yeah. too bad for the people who loved it. Which is most of us, right? I think that's one of the things that people love the most about Harry Potter is Quidditch. It's super yeah. fun to watch, exciting. The only thing that's kind of annoying, especially in reading the books now, in saying that I wished we had more Quidditch, there is always that rinse and repeat formula of Harry catches the snitch, Gryffindor's down, they win, right? So yeah. if they had made the matches maybe a little more even keel where they lost more of them that would have been better i mean more of a, a slytherin guy myself so would i like to see the homies flynn win a little more there but uh, yeah but then when you see how happy mcgonagall is you gotta be happy for her i guess so yeah that was one of the things um in the sixth one i'm just gonna keep rattling these off here is um more tom riddle memories which mm-hmm. i liked a lot I wish we had seen the Gaunt storyline in seeing Tom Riddle's grandparents and how his parents met. So a lot of people won't know, having just watched the movies, that Tom Riddle's mother kind of bewitched his father to fall in love with him. It was merely an enchantment that led to the two of them being a couple. So that's kind of a big, uh, kind of a big deal that they omitted from the movies. Yeah, for sure. Uh, number six definitely focuses on understanding Tom Riddle. I was going to say Voldemort, but I would say Tom Riddle more, and how he ended up the way he did, and why he's so steeped in those convictions about the superiority of magic, if you will. And when you when you realize the background and and the slight propensity for uh, madness, you're thinking, okay, you know. Maybe he didn't have all the chances in the world. Yeah. Um, like I said, part six is like my favorite movie. The The book to Half-Blood Prince is my favorite Harry Potter book because I love the examination of Tom Riddle and them like dissecting his past. That's like my favorite part in any of the books, like mm-hmm. in the Pensieve. Um, so, yeah, I would have loved to have seen more too on the big screen. But I mean, I think they did a really good job regardless yeah, um, the name's yeah. escaping me right now, but I just picture when I see, well, when I read about Tom's grandfather, just an absolute dirtbag, yeah. nasty mm-hmm. farm animal just coming up to whoever gets the memory I'm forgetting right now. Chris, I think it's Marvolo. Marvolo Gaunt? Yeah, he's the Anyways, grandfather. That's just, yeah, no, that's who I'm talking about. I know the grandfather yeah. is Marvolo Gaunt, but who gets the memory, in fact, of... 
interacting oh, with Marvel. Oh, it's uh, Bob Odkin. There we go. The Coming ministry. through with that that complex book knowledge, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean that's just in reading it, I had a clear image of what Marvel O'Gon to look like, and the oh, other yeah. son who his name's escaping me right now. I'm sure you know it, but <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I can't. I can't. It's uh, no, I can't think of the brother's name. Marope's brother. Marope, yeah. Um, another difference I noticed a lot in reading the books is that Dumbledore is just an absolute clown in the books <laughs> and always has a lot more jokes after very serious interactions. He would always leave a serious talk with Harry at the end of the novel by saying like, Oh, I, w- I, would, I could go for a chocolate frog right, right now or something. I could leap towards that, you know? So that's something I noticed a lot that they really did not incorporate in the movies, whereas they made a much more serious, detailed-oriented and not revealing any personality, really, to Harry. No. That's a, a difference I thought was for the best, to be honest. It, yeah. t- it took away from his status as legendary wizard and... He's a headmaster at Hogwarts, for God's sakes. I mean, he can't be just an absolute clown. Anyways, that's my thought on Dumbledore. I think the one Dumbledore moment that people can't accept, though, is is how angrily he asks Harry if he put his name in the Goblet of, in the Goblet of Fire. Right. That, I mean, the number of meme. memes I've seen about that, and everyone just makes me laugh, because I, I myself, I was like, what is going on? This is not it, so... But other than that, quite a few of those memes, but yeah, Um, (laughs) probably several times over the same one, no doubt. In Harry's demeanor in Order of the Phoenix, I thought reading it over almost every single one of his um, quotes, basically when talking to any character was always in caps lock because (laughs) he's always yelling and I was just rereading this and thinking, like, okay, I've seen the movies. He's not going ballistic and yelling <laughs> like this the whole scene. And I'm quite glad he didn't act like that because it would just be so, it was such over the top dialogue and delivery that I rereading reading it over again. I just I was not a fan whatsoever, and I'm glad they changed that in the in the movies. Yeah, Order of the Phoenix is definitely my least favorite book because of Harry's just temper issues and constantly blowing a fuse. And I was glad when Hermione reminds him a few times, you know, calm down. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but how old is he? 15. How old is he in Order of Phoenix? It makes sense. Like, he's an explosive teenager. If you say so, Matt. (laughs) We've all had mood swings as a young teenager. I don't know. That's the thing, and I get, in saying the that, pressure. I get it because he's frustrated with everything that's happened the year prior. With now Voldemort's back in the picture, no one believes him about what mm-hmm. happened that night when Cedric died. I get it, but I'm just saying, in reading it over, it just didn't. It really didn't come off as believable, and and also Matt in saying that we've all been there. Well, he's been there every single chapter in the whole movie, in the whole book. So I'm glad. He wasn't there the whole time, the whole movie. You know what I'm saying? So and we that's get, my rebuttal. Exactly. And we get, like Eric said, that he's frustrated. No one believes him. No one wants to talk to him or include him. No one seems to trust him. But at the same time, he's yelling at the wrong people. He's kind of using Bro. his friends as, as scapegoats, if you will. 
Mm-hmm. Great, great usage of scapegoat. Thank you. I was thinking meat shield off the top. That <laughs> doesn't work as well. Still, though, it'd be really frustrating. Like, you're trying to say something super important and no one's listening to you and they're calling you a liar in the paper. You'd be pretty pissed off. Oh, I'd be furious. I'm just yeah. I didn't like how mad he was. You know, compose yeah. yourself better, guy. You're the chosen one. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't yell at your best friends. You're right. You're right. Yeah, no, you make very good points there in dealing with all that pressure. Rita Skeeter just going off, or I guess oh. maybe not that point, because in the book she was blackmailed by Hermione as being an unregistered animagus, which is another big thing they cut out of Goblet of Fire, actually. So there's a lot of stuff that they um, cut out unjustly, I should say. Mm-hmm. Crumb, too. They slimmed out on some crumb scenes. Yeah, they did him dirty. Making him just come off as a an incompetent jock, right? Whereas in the books, he had a little more depth, I want to say, to his uh, persona. Yeah, for sure. Especially for the fact that he noticed Hermione, who at the time had bushy hair and, and a lot of, carrying a lot of books. And uh, she had longer teeth, which they noticed when she corrected. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hmm, I forgot about that, Crumb, yeah. Um. The whole scene in the in the book uh, in the Goblet of Fire, like the preparing for the ball and like the anxiety of like finding a date. That's all. That's great stuff in the book. Like, I know high school stuff. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It's kind of funny. The boys are just terrified. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that they included that. They're like all the teenage stuff that they deal with and go through in the earlier books obviously they're like i guess the mid books and movies is gold stuff it's very relatable um in half-blood prince you just feel bad for hermione ron going with that floozy um right so lavender can't stand lavender lavender brown (laughs) actually i had one more thing written down about the differences between (laughs) movies and books there i know i I think i said i only had one more but it's a, a blatant lie um, which is Creature's Tragic Tale in the Deathly Hollows. If you'll recall, he reveals that he was brought with Regulus Black to the cavern and was forced by Voldemort to drink the entire potion, or the, yeah, I guess the potion, yeah, potion. that was in the goblet in the cave to see if it would, wouldn't kill him, but only weaken his senses and instill dementia in his um in his mind and he did that for his master and just the entire recap of everything that regulus did to turn against dump to turn against voldemort was a, a great chapter that i'd forgotten about when i reread the books there so i think that that could have been included and would have made us sympathize for creature who is a pretty hateable character upon his introduction in the uh, Harry Potter cinematic universe. No, I definitely agree. HPCU. (laughs) I definitely agree that uh, that was a very interesting twist because if there's one thing that Rowling does well, I think is create good, complex, villainous characters with flaws and qualities that you kind of root for and accept. And that the only omission to that is honestly Umbridge with no redeemable qualities. And so to see Creature all of a sudden have complete devotion to a master and then you kind of go okay and then 
when they give the locket to Creature and he just does a complete 360 in his demeanor towards uh, Harry and Ron. Hermione doesn't completely, you know, let go of his ways, but that's maybe to be expected. And then, of course, chapter or two later, they just go to the ministry and then that's it. And I thought that that was pretty well done, that they they part from Creature on good terms, which is more bittersweet than if he had been mean to them the whole time and then they were just kind of glad to be out of the house but no they had started to see the house as a safe haven as a home and they started to see it in a positive way and so does the reader you know by default so wow yeah. great uh, great rundown <laughs> i forgot about most of that <laughs> yeah it's pretty minor but it, it was still a great chapter in the books so i mean there's some merits to it but um I think we've covered the uh, the books versus the films quite extensively, and I think we could keep going, but let's let's move it along to something else. Um, so, looking forward, I should say, to the future of the Harry Potter franchises. We know we have upcoming Fantastic Beasts films coming up. There's at least three more to be made. I think that's a good point to start with our discussion there. We can go over what we like, dislike, or just how we feel about those movies so far, which, in my opinion, kind of came unsolicited. No one asked for this, but let's milk the cash cow, as they say, right? <laughs> so, Chris, as our guest, what are your thoughts on, so far, the two movies we've seen? Well, I absolutely loved them. Uh, I think I prefer the first one. However, I am a huge, huge uh, Johnny Depp fan, so I was so pumped when I when Chuck uh, Sparrow. <laughs> exactly. So when uh, Colin uh, Farrell turned into John, well, revealed himself to be actually Johnny Depp, I was so pumped for that. I Credence is obviously a very cool uh, character, and I know how. Our, our host feels about Newt. I liked him. I liked Quinny and all that and Jacob. But I, at the end of the movie of the second one, I wasn't completely sold on how they, they, they went, especially with Quinny and her walking into the blue flames to kind of join the dark side and all that. I did like the slight nods they did to the Harry Potter universe. So showing clips of Hogwarts, uh, backstory on Nagini and... Uh, of course, Dumbledore and stuff. So I, I liked the, for the diehard Harry Potter fans, they kind of put Easter eggs and stuff for us. But um, I'm I'm curious to know where they're headed because if I were to think about it after the first movie and then the second one, I'm thinking, okay, they're not going where I thought they were. I have no idea where they're going with this. Huge characters, big actors. I'm very interested uh but I really hope that they keep up with these cool, fantastic beasts and magic things as opposed to just more of the Hollywood approach of, of big showdown and, and battles and stuff that are CGI'd more than, like I said, magic or... Which I'm aware is CGI, but <laughs> yeah. Okay, the first movie I really liked, um, I sat down in the, the like in the theater and I hadn't seen the trailer. I went in blind, but I knew it was in the Harry Potter world. And... I was really enjoyed it. I liked all the mm -hmm. actors and the story was good. But part the thing is, uh, Crimes of Grendelwald, gun to my head, couldn't tell you what happened in the movie. I've seen it once. <laughs> I had no idea what happened that entire movie. I still don't. 
I remember it ended and I said, okay, what happened? So I, I found that movie a little convoluted. Maybe I was tired when I watched it, which happens a lot with me with movies. But uh, I think I need a second watch for that one. Number two is more of a political movie, almost, with, with the rise of Grindelwald and all that, and, and with his movement gaining momentum. And that's why you're wondering, okay, so this is not just throwing spells and, and cool birds and, and horses. And, and, you know, it's actually, there's more depth and darkness to it. So we'll see. Yeah, I owe it a rewatch for sure. For sure. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah. Okay, so I'm on the same... <laughs> page as Matt here in that I've only seen The Crimes of Grindelwald once. I don't plan on ever rewatching it. <laughs> Jude Law and Johnny Depp were the saving graces, oh, yeah. graces of that atrocious second installment in the series that featured a cringeworthy lead as bad as Michael Gary Scott but not as likable or funny oh, man. or entertaining. Just bad. Just so, not an Eddie Redmayne fan, are you? I haven't seen him in anything else other than that those movies. Okay. And I'm not sold on wanting to see him in anything else. He has less chemistry with Tina, I want to say, than Katniss Everdeen and Peter <laughs> Malark. And that's tough oh, to talk. God. Right, oh. he gets the spotlight stolen from him from a doorknob of a muggle <laughs> in the first movie, even in the second movie. And I could just keep going and rip this movie, but I'll, I'll focus on the light. In that, I love. I actually enjoyed the twist at the end, where another brutal character in Credence Bare Bones. <laughs> That revealed to be the long lost what? I know. I know. I did not like that. (laughs) But oh man, I thought that was too much. You know what? The whole movie, there you're focusing on this guy's identity. Why? I don't know. Why do we care? I don't know. And they lead us on this red herring plot line of the long lost Corvus. Matt, do you even remember this? Corvus nope. Lestrange. Yeah, like, Corvus. What? <laughs> I, he is Corvus Lestrange. No, he is Corvus Lestrange. <laughs> Who gives a flying... You know what? But um, just absolutely yeah. brutal. And I was falling asleep in the theaters watching that movie. I'm not even kidding. Brutal. Anyways... I enjoyed the first movie, though. I said it was going to be positive. So I liked the first movie a lot. I thought it was very funny. Promising in that I liked the premise. Didn't like um, Newt or Tina. But I liked Dan Fogler's character. What's his name? Couldn't tell you. And um, I loved Colin Farrell. as He was definitely my favorite character of that movie. Big villain guy. Go figure. He was the sickest character. 100%. I was kind of disappointed when he revealed he was Grindelwald after all. But Grindelwald, like I've already said, was one of my favorite characters from the second movie. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hoping to see in this franchise going forward is a... Hopefully, Eddie Redmayne has taken some time to look back at his portrayal of Newt's commander and think, okay, maybe I need to ease up on the cringe and be a little <laughs> more likable and cool. And then people like Eric, what? why do I care what he thinks about me? Will like me more. I don't know. I'm just saying. So I want to see him be a more likable main character. 
And if not, less of him. And I want to see more Jude Law, more Grindelwald. Yeah. Those are the two characters at this point I'm hoping to see in this franchise going forward. I want to see the best cinematic duel we've seen so far in Grindelwald versus Dumbledore. Oh, it's yeah. already been talked about in the books as being arguably the greatest wizarding match of all time. Now with the budget and production value we can get in 2020, whatever it's going to be, let's make it a fantastic, no pun intended, <laughs> beast of a duel. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so, goodness. <laughs> had a lot to say on those two movies, and that's uh, what I'm hoping to see going forward also is a fully formed, villainous Aurelius Dumbledore. I don't want to see some Kylo Ren going back and forth. Um, should I be good or should I be bad? No. Now you're tainted by Grindelwald Aurelius. You're a villain. And you're going to die, unfortunately, because you can't really spin this man we had no idea existed until this movie. Stay alive. Mm -hmm. He needs to be killed by either Grindelwald or Dumbledore. And if that doesn't happen, I've lost all faith in the Fantastic Beasts franchise. What are your well, thoughts? Yeah, so with a lot of it, I, I agree in terms of staying true to, you know, coming going back and forth in terms of am I good, am I evil? That can get long and kind of dull when someone's undecided. However, in terms of mute, I think they were trying to just not give you your typical hero with the strong character and the, and the strong values and all that and skills. He's, he's kind of your underdog, almost like Bilbo Baggins, if you will, who's just shy and blundering through and awkward and yet he still manages to find his way probably i would say through his kindness and stuff um and if there is one movie i haven't seen yet but apparently is very good with edward main is the theory of everything um maybe give it a watch i know it's on my list and maybe it'll change your opinion about him before the next movie or you can go in and let him change your opinion himself uh i wouldn't hold my breath though that he cares all that much about your opinion eric but <laughs> wow thanks <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i'm definitely looking forward to the the final battle between the two wizards which was alluded to multiple times in the harry potter series so i'm just hoping that they don't do what peter jackson did with the hobbit movies and invent stuff that <laughs> created plot holes for the lord of the ring movies like oh yeah if they add anything i don't want them to like uh we start questioning what's happening in harry potter and stupid things like that and they also need to change the way the movies like edited or paced i guess like it needs to flow better than what it how it did in crimes of grendelwald mm -hmm. I, agree. Like, I didn't like it was slow so, so Matt, you're they saying they did director. introduce plot holes, though. I don't know if that's yeah. sorry, Chris. They introduce Minerva McGonagall as being what a teacher already at age. Yeah, that doesn't. No, that doesn't fit. I know. That's what I was gonna say, Matt. Too is that like so you're hoping they don't tee up too many things for the Harry Potter universe and go, oh, okay, there you go. That ex you don't want them to feed too much backstory and just kind of stick to the separate uh, storyline. Oh, I, I don't mind if they do that. I just don't want it to them to have incorrect facts or something. That, oh, okay. I don't want them something that contradicts yeah. what it's in the, like, canon in the books, you know? Mm -hmm. Make sure, like, you pass everything by JK or something. Like, she has to approve, like, okay, this makes sense in my story. Or easy conversations. 
<laughs> yeah, they should definitely solicit me for feedback. I was uh, thinking more Chris, but okay. okay well, no, the no, the, the movie critics. Uh, I'm looking at them right now. The movie critics. That's you two. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else I can say on this franchise. There, I hope at some point, talking about the future of these of this universe, which I absolutely love. I hope they at some point tie in a young Voldemort. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he, maybe he interacts with Grindelwald and he becomes some sort of a mentor figure to him. I don't know if that lines up timeline-wise, but I'm all for it. And I don't think they'll be able to include them, Lily and James Potter and Sirius and all of them. Mm. If they can, sure, make it believable, though. Like we've already talked about, we don't want plot holes. But I think Voldemort would be possible. Because Voldemort, he is before... Yeah. The parents' time, I believe. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Voldemort is definitely more within reach. The parents, I'm not sure. And like you said earlier, more money, cha-ching. I would say, would you see a, a separate one with the Marauders and whatnot and the storyline of the parents? Because you've already got huge fans of uh, Sirius Black and Lupin and all that. So you could have a complete separate uh, project for that. Okay, so you kind of took the, the cue away from me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we can, t- <laughs> we can talk about, about that as f- other future works other okay, than Fantastic yeah. Beats. Yeah, no, Matt, sorry, go ahead. I just want to throw that in. No, there. my, my <laughs> thing's going to... I was going to talk about what I'd like to see, so no, just like segue us into, into that. Into there you that. go. Perfect. We're all oh. set. All right, so now we've, we've beat this dead horse that is the Fantastic <laughs> Beasts franchise. What other films or series, or whatchamacallits, would you like to see in in the Harry Potter cinematic universe down the road? Be that a, like they did with Star Wars, a Harry Potter story, one movie, or a trilogy, or a TV show. There's so many options here. I want to hear from you. Okay, because mine's a little different, and I might be in the minority, but I think they should go into something that hasn't been touched before. So you either, I think you go 30 years in the future after Deathly Hollows, or you go all the way back to like the founding fathers of Hogwarts. And, um, but I'd be more interested in like in the future. So like you have like a 50 some year old Harry (laughs) and like something huge happens. That's what I'd like to see the most. Something that we don't like anything that has Voldemort or James or Lily Potter. We know the outcome of what's going to happen. We don't know how, but we know the outcome. So, it, it, yeah, that's, that's true. It takes away it takes away the punch of the ending because we know yeah. that whatever you're building up to, we already know what's going to happen. That's true. But I would I would have to say that I would be interested in seeing Marauders and, uh, you know, some backstory on, of course, bringing back Snape and, and Sirius and Lupin and Lily and all that and Peter Pettigrew. And it's just, to me, that'd be very interesting. And maybe mm. to highlight the differences between James and Harry, you would see it a little more this time around. So in that, would you want to see film series or just one movie of them at school? Or would you like to see them even go through, all, like Harry... Ron and Hermione did go through every single year, basically. I wouldn't want to see every single year. I wouldn't want to see just the one movie. I would want to see whatever we didn't hear necessarily from Snape, 
Lupin. Maybe that one time where Snape say uh, where James Sna- saved Snape's life from the from Lupin when he was turned into a werewolf, or you know, maybe those key moments that that shaped his parents, uh, the sorting ceremony and and or some backstory on um, Snape and his unfortunate parents and stuff. So. But I wouldn't want to follow them as closely seven years as they did with Harry. Maybe, like you said, a trilogy. I like it. <laughs> I have another idea, but go ahead first, Derek. Well, mine is kind of predictable, to be honest. I would like to see a young Voldemort at the height of his power, not at Hogwarts, because we all know in having read the books that he was a brilliant student at school, head boy, had... <laughs> All these outside pressures or um, influences, I guess, expecting greatness of him and thinking that he would make a difference in the wizarding world, which we all know he did. But he didn't really pan out to be what his mentors and teachers at Hogwarts thought he would be. But I would want to see a more psychological and not character study on what drove Voldemort to become evil, because I don't know if at Hogwarts he already knew that he was planning on becoming a dark wizard. So I guess I'm kind of going all over the place here. I would also like to see him, <laughs> at the height of his power, being fearful of an imminent threat in the Chosen One coming to end his reign of terror. So, Hearing the prophecy or something like that? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that could be interesting. I think there's something there. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Maybe they could do like a Black Mirror style of Harry Potter where they do an episode of The Founders, an episode of Voldemort, an episode, you know, where they don't necessarily uh, follow each other and they're just kind of... Anthology-like, yeah. Yeah, they're just separate episodes, but they cover different topics and backstories Mm -hmm. and it could be interesting. I like that comparable. (laughs) So, speaking of TV shows, so this was my idea. I thought of this the other night. It would be an HBO show in eight parts. Of course. It would be called okay. it would be called Long Bottom. You're basically <laughs> each No no listen, listen. Love it. I love it already. I each love it episode sure. you're you're going through each Harry Potter movie, one uh, per episode. Uh, the point of view of Neville. So you're, <laughs> you're following Neville throughout the show. Oh, what's going man. on around him? Yo, and each bottom. episode is one movie. Okay. Before you go, Chris, Neville is a criminally underrated and underused character that I don't think got done justice in the movies. So, hey, I'm all for that. I'd, yeah, I'd like tune what in he does. Every Sunday night yeah. at 11 Yeah, that'd o'clock. be awesome. <laughs> yeah, because he becomes a ba- he's bullied in the first movie, yeah. and then he oh, rises yeah. to like a very courageous character. Yeah, I was disappointed when you learn all that St. Mungo's stuff and the, the really touching scene at St. Mungo's and uh, you just kind of, they didn't give Neville the credit he deserved. They showed him being a little stronger in Order of the Phoenix and saying, well, you know, it's Bellatrix who killed my parents and stuff. But you, you witness so much more transformation in the books. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think you should fire up a, a cast and crew there, Matt, and get Longbottom on the way. And uh yeah. Hire me as an extra, please. <laughs> give me one line in that in that series, just one. I'm trying to level up here. But um, one of actually my f- low key favorite moments, <laughs> easy, but is when 
Voldemort has seemingly won and Harry is dead and he's confronting the remaining survivors at Hogwarts and then Neville steps up to Voldemort and um, they they seem like or Voldemort seems to think that Neville is going to join his ranks yeah and then um, Neville kind of interrupts Voldemort and says <laughs> I, I want to say something and then Voldemort just goes into this mode of uh, like restraint <laughs> anger I don't know why it just always cracks me up and I just want to throw that in there I was gonna say well it's both a, an awesome moment and a frustrating moment because that's when the Malfoy has this final chance to, to choose the right side. And they just, you think for once, when, especially like Malfoy come over and he, or Draco come over and, and he takes his time. And you're thinking, okay, he's going to stick with the good guys. And then he just slums over and it's just thinking, oh man, they fell short. And they actually have a deleted scene where Malfoy throws Harry his wand in the final duel, but they, they cut that out. So it, yeah. So a great moment you know, for Neville, frustrating for Draco. Draco standing up at the end would have been fantastic oh, yeah. to actually redeem him and finally get some sort of change of heart where he's actually finally on the right side. And um, yeah, that would have been awesome for his character, but that's never what the intention was. And I did not know about that deleted scene. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was ever J.K. Rowling's intention to have Draco be a likable character at all. At the end of it all, he he um, le- runs away with his tail tucked in between his legs, holding his mom's hand, <laughs> walking away from the battle. Right. So pretty much, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's but I would love to see him actually come together with our heroes. Yeah, he wasn't. I guess, like you said, Rowling wasn't intending full character growth on his part, but. By the end, 19 years later, he and Harry seem to have come to somewhat of an understanding and nod to each other at the platform nine and three quarters. <laughs> but it's understood they don't come over for Sunday night dinner, you know, so. Yeah, well, we don't know that. <laughs> I, I like to think they do have their, maybe not every Sunday, but occasional once a month. Maybe. Him at Pansy Parking <laughs> brings like a casserole over. Oh, man. <laughs> but all this to say, Matt, I would tune in to watch no, long thank bottom. You. absolutely it, it, it it's based on the whole concept of like having the entire same story but from someone else's mm-hmm. point of view i mean you can pick other characters as well but it's just an interesting idea i i found yeah, yeah. all right so the future of the franchise has been covered we actually got a few listener questions that we can go over the first one was from actually our latest guest the homie justin mocktinger so his question was which house are you or would you want to be a part of, Chris? Okay, I've first. taken the official test, I'm proud to say, and I am a full-blooded Gryffindor. And I... Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I agree with that. And I could see myself definitely fitting in with Gryffindor just for my characters as who I am. Yeah, I like it. Gryffindor, kind of a mainstream, but yeah, good for you that you passed the test. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what are you going with here? I mean, I'd, I'd want to be a Slytherin, but I feel like the sorting hat would put me in Ravenclaw because I have a feeling I'd really get into like learning about all the... Like, I'd be studying a lot because I'd be fascinated by magic and stuff. And isn't that what Ravenclaw is all about? Like, they're really smart and... Like, Chris, help me out here. Like, that's... 
Yeah, it's the people who are constantly looking to learn and to and to better themselves and to uh, the the whole striving for research and and perfection of the self. And I mean, yeah, uh, that's that's what I would be. You know, reread the books. There's a whole uh, song where it descri- the Sorting Hat <laughs> describes the qualities of each house, and but um, yeah, that's it, Matt. When you put it that way. I would also reconsider to be Ravenclaw because, yeah, when you have access to a plethora of magic, why would you not want to study? So, hey, that's a great answer. But I'm going to go with what you originally said, and I would say that I would like to be in Slytherin because, well, I like to think I'm a, I'm a pretty nice guy and all. Some people would argue with that. So, uh, And I also love villains. And um, I would want to be a notorious figure in the Harry Potter cinematic universe. So I would go Slytherin and follow in my boy Voldemort's footsteps. And yeah, Slytherin. <laughs> that sounds so oh funny. Oh my goodness, yeah, it does. <laughs> well, I'm glad you all enjoyed that. But yeah, Slytherin all day. So, do, do you guys feel like Hufflepuff gets the short end of the stick? Like, oh, if you're claiming all the Hufflepuff, you're an absolute goof. I see. I disagree. <laughs> I just, I just feel like people know. Like I said, I know that not necessarily I'm a Gryffindor, but that I'm not a Slytherin. I'm not a Ravenclaw. And I'm not a Hufflepuff. So, but I don't know. I, I don't think you want to associate with Hufflepuff. To be honest, there's nothing wrong with Hufflepuff. There, there isn't, but kind-hearted, accepting, you know. They're just kind of there. They it's the feel party like the house. Sheep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding? It's the honey badger. It's it's such a vicious animal. But like, they just go with the flow, and they don't they don't like change anything. They're just a nice. Yeah. Anyways. Hufflepuff always comes in last. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like. Yeah, for do. sure. Yeah. For sure. Like the competitive people aren't in Hufflepuff. No. No, absolutely not. So, the next question we got was from the homie Gus Belus. It was actually his birthday yesterday, so happy belated birthday. But this is coming out a week after your belated birthday, but anyways. Um, <laughs> which is the worst Harry Potter movie? And why Ooh. is it a tie between Order of the Phoenix and the Deathly Hallows Part 1? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, I would have to say it's the acting level. It's not even the storyline. It's the kind of awkward undertone I found to the movies and the mm-hmm. acting and the forced chemistry or lines between some characters. I think so I prefer the... to say, which one is it? I The worst would have to be probably uh, Order of the Phoenix. Matt, what do you think? I'm going with Deathly Hollows Part One, <laughs> only because it suffers from being half a movie. Like it's okay. It's not really its fault. It's just it's the first half of an epic book, but it's where where they ended Part One. Like that was crucial. Like what they were gonna make the climax of the climax of Part One, and I just feel like the whole movie's one long filler to get to Part Two. Maybe. What's interesting about the seventh one, though, is that you don't know what to expect this time around. If you haven't read the books, of course. True. You know they're not going to be at Hogwarts. You know that Voldemort's not going to wait until the end of the school year to make an appearance. Yeah, the seventh one's like a Western or a road movie. Like, there's just (laughs) one adventure after another. So, yeah. Maybe it's the tonal shift that threw me off. Maybe. 
I'm I'm gonna say part one, aka Harry Potter seven is the worst one. Ooh. Okay. I think Order of the Phoenix, like we've already talked about, gets a bad rep, but it actually has a lot better moments than Deathly Hollows Part One does in that Voldemort versus Dumbledore fantastic duel. <laughs> That's true. I wish it was even longer. And again, in saying that Sirius is one of my favorite characters. His death is a major moment, which you do get in that movie, obviously. And Harry using the iconic Crucio <laughs> spell on Bellatrix all time. So there, off the top, there are no... Actually, no. There are some pretty good moments in part one as well. And they all involve Bellatrix. So what I love mm-hmm. the most about Deathly Hallows part one is... Bellatrix, this is kind of weird, slashing grip hook and <laughs> saying, Liar! I don't know, I just love <laughs> that line. It kills me every time. And But then again, Insane kills me. Dobby's death, that's just oh, an yeah. absolute, breaks your heart in a million pieces. Yeah. But I want to say though, Dobby's death was super bandwagon in that everyone was saying, Oh, poor Dobby and all that. But where were you after Chamber of Secrets? I've been an OG Dobby fan. People (laughs) just jumped on the bandwagon in the seventh one. I'm just saying. And, um, (laughs) but no, Order of the Phoenix, I'll put over Deathly Hollows Part 1. That's my recap. Bellatrix seals the show, though. She's, to bring it back, Chris, to what you said, fantastic portrayal. And mm-hmm. um, improves that character of Bellatrix a lot from the books. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, she has lots of charisma and oh yeah, she's just presence. Uh, sure. I just love her as an actress, to be honest. Yeah, she's absolutely. Great. The corpse's bride. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh that's like her voice, but okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, never seen that movie. I was just throwing that out there. So we also got one more question which was a last-minute submission, like, just a few minutes ago, actually. <laughs> so it was, you're from Martin Chevrier, two-time Very guest nice. on the show. Shout out to the homie. Um, favorite spell, if you could perform oh, one spell in real life. That's that's a thinker. That is a thinker. I'll have to let Matt it go is. first. <laughs> Matt goes first? All right, off the top of my head. The spell, like, that they used on the tent to go to the World Quidditch Cup, like, it looks tiny, but then you step okay. inside and it's like a house. Okay. That's good, actually. I'd be that down would be with very, that. very practical. It's actually yeah. a camping setting. It's an expanding Maybe... charm. Yeah. Expand. <laughs> That's just the first thing that popped in my head, actually. So, oh, there yeah. you go. No, like I, I carry, I carry this briefcase, and then I open it, and I step inside of all my like movie collections in there. Okay, they're mute. Mm. There you yep. go. Undetectable expansion charm. That'd be a good one for sure. Yeah. Oh, Chris, do you have something, or do you want me to go? You can go. <laughs> I'm thinking about that. As a true Slytherin, and to better my own position. Moving up in the workforce, I would have to go with the Imperio. Curse. Wow! I'm just oh, kidding. Man. That's I'm just kidding. Please don't fire me for that. But uh, <laughs> you control everyone at work. Um, I don't know. Actually, that's tough to say. You know, I'm a soft Slytherin. I don't actually want to hurt anybody, so I'm not going unforgivable curses. But uh, I don't know. That's tough. Um, that's a really good question, sword. honestly. 
I was is, just going to say. question, actually. I had a feeling you were going to say Serpent Source, yeah. <laughs> Why? So I can have a bunch of snakes? I don't know. <laughs> no, I think yeah, you just like saying it. But you have to say something, Chris, and I'm going to think of something. So you're yeah. going first, and then I'll, I'll think of Because I'm trying something. to think. My favorite would be, in terms of, because it depends if you think spell casting with a wand, or in Matt's case, just use of magic. Because overall use of magic would be a broom. Hands down, charm a broom. And, um, or even the, uh, even the time turner. I would. I've. I've always Ooh, loved the idea no, no, of going no. the back. The question was spelled. Not <laughs> <magical> <laughs> artifact. Okay. Use. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Uh, maybe. Oh, incendio. Yeah. As a perpetually chilly person, I wouldn't mind having fire at hand all the time. <laughs> That's good. Um, I'm gonna go. So yeah, when Guardian Leviosa, just to lift, like, whenever I'm moving stuff, you know, TVs, furniture. Oh, my God. That's just practicality at its finest. <laughs> that's laziness. Pure okay, laziness. It's kind of, okay, it's kind of lazy, yeah. Um, Imperio is my final answer. <laughs> that's a good answer, man. I almost picked that. Oh. That's like, you're going to the top with that answer. Yeah. It's, uh, anyways, man, oh, thank you, everyone, for the the questions and appreciate it. We've been going for a pretty good time here. Is there anything else, Chris, that you would like to spark off for discussion or is this a good spot to, to No, I wanted to say thank you for having me on the show. And I have to admit before listening to easy conversation, I had never listened to a single podcast in my life. So I'm new to this whole podcast world. And uh, I mean, this is a, uh, a thrill for me to be able to talk about it. Harry Potter for an hour and a half. People usually have to yell at me to be quiet. So, and um, I'm gonna have to shout out to our two boys across the pond because I'm wearing my Harry Potter socks that uh, we earned at our trivia night. So I'm gonna shout out Ezra and Jacob who were with us on that night. That was awesome. And uh, yeah, that's something that we didn't even mention is that we did a Harry Potter trivia and got like seven questions wrong out of 116. <laughs> Not a big deal. Yeah. So and I'm and one hoping socks for that, but yeah, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next next Harry Potter universe movie, whatever it may be, and maybe the three of us can check it out. Oh yeah, we'll definitely have you back on there down the road, and um, hopefully I'll have better things to say about those future movies. Hopefully exactly. we get a long bottom HBO series. So, <laughs> yeah. Sen, thanks a lot for joining us. You absolutely killed it. Yeah. Matt, thank you so much for having me the audience yeah chris thanks a lot for joining us uh from me because like i learned a lot listening to you tonight <laughs> and you were a great guest and i could have talked like for another three four hours about harry potter Excellent. and i just want to say to to anyone listening who hasn't read the books like who's seen the movies and but hasn't read the books just pick up the first one and just start reading and you'll devour them all they're oh, that yeah. good and any like you can start at any age they're not just for kids or teens good for any young adults matt i yeah. endorse that message so thanks a lot to everybody for listening stay tuned for episodes dropping every other monday i hope everyone's staying safe and thanks a lot for listening peace